Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, let me briefly tell you what we do here. We love movies. We love sharing movies with you. We're not here to criticize Hollywood, actors, anything like that. Leave that to professionals. What we do is here is this. The studios, they send us interviews, movie clips, on-the-set footage, and stuff like that. We put it together, and we make one giant infomercial. Me being the judge, I present you the evidence, and you make up your own mind if you want to see this movie or show. I'm not going to tell you not to see something. That's ridiculous. We've all had different paths, because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. Consider this your movie oasis. The world is a messy, noisy world. I always want to provide a place where you can learn about a TV show or movie without any other noise. So, like I said... You can make up your own mind. Now, approaching the bench today, we have Andor. It's a prequel to Rogue One. And if you remember Rogue One, it was basically a great war movie, but in the Star Wars universe. But it was a lot darker than all the other ones kind of before it. But that's what set it apart. It was raw. It was gritty. It was, it felt just like a, like a real movie. Not, you know, again, all that stuff is great in that universe, but this one was special. And it took the studio by surprise, and you'll hear them talk about that later on in the, in the show here. But here it is in a nutshell. This prequel series to Star Wars Rogue One is an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue. Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. And that's what this one's all about. You see how it all begins. So here's a trailer for Andor. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong? They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Ander. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. There's fermenting out there, son. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. (laughs) I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation. There's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is 
what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Now, just to let you know, in these interviews that are going to be playing throughout the show, it's from the red carpet. So you're going to hear a lot of background noise. Well, not a lot, but you'll be wondering, well, what is going on here? That is why most of these interviews are from the red carpet premiere. And up first, we're going to hear from Kathleen Kennedy. Now, if you're familiar with the Star Wars universe at all, you know that she's been part of this world with George Lucas probably from the beginning. So she's well-educated on this world. So anything she's involved in, you know it's going to be good stuff and it's going to be in good hands. And she's going to talk about what I said earlier, that when they made Rogue One, they were all pretty surprised. They didn't expect it to be that much of an impact on the people. And it's really kind of cool hearing her talking about that. But then right after her, we're going to hear from the creator, the, the, the showrunner, Toby Haynes. And He's known for his work on Doctor Who, Sherlock, and Black Mirror. And he talks about how for like three years, they were just like in a, like a little cave working on this. And now finally, here they are on the red carpet, sharing it with the world. And that must be just amazing. Because when you get that tunnel vision going, you start thinking, well, you know, are people going to like this? And you, you, you just, you don't have any feedback. But once you give it to us, the people that's when you know if it's going to be any good. So that's what's going to happen here. Kathleen Kennedy's up first, and then the showrunner and director of six of the episodes, Toby Haynes. This is a really special series. I mean, going back to Rogue One, and it was a movie that all of us really genuinely were surprised by the response. And the fact that we've now created this series, it's a spy thriller in the Star Wars universe. It's pretty exciting. We've been in a cave, it feels like, for the three years. Seriously, like we've been hiding out for three years making this show. And here we are, hopefully turning into a butterfly tonight. Um, it's, I, it's really, it's, an, um, you know, people talk about it. It's an emotional experience to come out and, and expose yourself after three years and have so many people excited about seeing it. Um, it's, it's really special. We're going to hear next from Kathleen Kennedy. And she's going to be talking about Tony and just how just dialed in he is and how he creates such great characters. Well, I actually started working with Tony years ago when I did Born with him. And I think Tony is just uniquely suited to be writing stories like this that are so full of tension and intrigue. And, and the fact that he's brought that into Star Wars and the building of the rebellion and being able to individualize each of the people that are associated with that, giving us real insight on Cassian Andor, giving us more insight on Momothma. I mean, all of these building blocks that led to the rebellion, it's it's pretty great. The showrunner, creator, and director of the show, or, you know, partial director of the show, Toby Haynes, did such a brilliant job. And coming up next, we're going to play a few interviews back-to-back because they're all talking about him, so I don't have to really, you know, interrupt every time. I'll just keep the flow going because it has such a good... Mojo. First, we're going to hear from San Wallenberg, a producer, and then director Tony Haynes, and then Fiona Shaw. She kind of plays like the surrogate mother of Cassian, 
kind of like a mother figure. And then Kyle Soller. They all just talk about how great a director and writer this guy is. I mean, Tony Gilroy would always bring his very own voice to this, to anything he does. And I think, you know, Rogue One already being a very specific, you know, part of the franchise, you know, was kind of the jumping point for us to go five years back and and see, you know, where the story began for Cassianando. And I think it was bound to. And it had to really reflect Tony's quite unique voice. And I think we have achieved it. We are really proud. And I hope the fans will agree. It's really epic storytelling. I think that Tony doesn't deal in black and white. He really writes for the grayscales of humanity and the human condition. So you really don't know who you're dealing with when you're meeting these characters. You don't know whether they're good, they're bad. They're, they're good people who do bad things or they're bad people who do good things. It's going to take the audience into a really interesting moral territory. I think it's a real exploration into into areas of Star Wars. Like it's a Star Wars we've like we've seen no other. It's really a privilege to be with this fabulous cast. The intensity of performances, the excitement about the whole project, and Tony's leadership and enthusiasm. So I, I've loved every minute of it. What Tony Gilroy wrote. I mean, when I first read the the initial scripts when we were talking about the project and the character, I was like, I mean, it's all here on the page. It's so it's so psychologically driven. It's so emotionally driven. You get you don't get archetypes with Tony. He writes real people. And there's light and shade. There's, there's good and bad in everybody. And he says that so right. These characters are just like that. Nobody's just one way or the other. It's shades, like all of us. None of us are pure good. None of us are pure evil. Well, I guess there's a few pure evil out there. We can name a few. But you know what I'm saying. Most of us fall in that gray area. And that's what makes this show so rich and so, you know, complete that you can understand it. Like, you just, you don't let this look at them and go, all right, this, this is what this character is going to always do. No, no, it's not like that. It's all very diverse in their behavior. So these next interviews, they're going to be talking about that and how they, you know, how they created that. First, we're going to hear from Fiona Shaw and then Adria Arjana, who plays Bix, and then one of the writers, Bo Williamson, and then finally, we're going to hear a little bit more about characters' richness and growth of them from Genevieve O'Reilly. I think the fact that the relationships are so real, so complex, so confusing, so boundaryless, so uh, I think that's unusual in such a thing. Tony Gilroy is such a brilliant writer and he really created this huge world where characters intertwine and, and with that you're able to explore your character so much more throughout the 12 episodes. And I feel like, especially with my character, I feel like who you meet at the beginning and, and who you end up seeing towards the end of her journey is a completely different character. And I, and I could say the same about every single character. Well, I mean, what Tony Gilroy did with uh, this beloved story of uh, casting Andor, who I think is one of the more beloved characters um, from, from the franchise, is uh, really dig deep, uh, show an emotional core to him and, and, um, and all the characters surrounding him that I think uh, will feel really fresh uh, because it, it, it really really goes to the complexities of what does it mean to become... Uh, someone that's willing to sacrifice everything for, for the rebellion. And, and that's the story he had to tell, and I think he pulled it off. And, um, I think they've got a great adventure in store for them. Yeah, this one starts five years before Rogue One, and it starts in a moment that we haven't really seen very much. It starts, and it starts with Cassian Andor and my character, Mon Mothma, in 
within versions of themselves that we've just not seen before. There's a long way to go before we get to Rogue One. Previously, there has been, you know, Mon Mothma has been surrounded by rebels, and when we meet her here, there is no rebellion. There is no organized rebellion. It's just whispers. Now we're going to hear next from producer Kathleen Kennedy, and she's just going to talk about how the audience is just going to be so amazed about walking into this town and seeing how people live. And then after her, we're going to hear from the star, Diego Luna, who plays Cassian. And he just talks about working on a project like this, where it's so long, but also it's you get to explore the character more. Because as we all know, when you really break it down sometimes, how we've all been lulled into like the normal format of just movies, where you know it's like an hour and a half, two hours at best, and every once in a while you get one that's longer. But in that kind of format, there's always basically the same arc. And you don't really get to delve into the characters' emotions and their life and their all that kind of stuff. So that's what's really wonderful about all these like streaming services out there now where they just don't make a movie on something. No, they make characters. And you get to follow them and every week look forward to watching them. And that's what I enjoy because now you can flesh out these characters, not just cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. Not that that's bad, because we've been doing it all, all of our lives. But now this time in our in our universe, we could flesh out these characters, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, that, I think that's what people are going to be surprised by. You go into Coruscant, and you get a real insight as to where people live, and and you know how they make a living, what they do, and the fact that they're so you know, oppressed by the empire and realizing they've got to rise up and do something about it. And the banding together of, you know, the various factions, it's it, it, it's going to feel very different than anything I think we've done before, which is really exciting. Yeah, I see this as like four films, you know. I see this as four films. We've, we've worked really hard. Uh, I don't know, this is new for me, this long format is new, I, I really enjoyed it. The, the opportunities, the freedom you find as an actor, the chance to explore stuff in a film you would never be able to explore, it's amazing. And he's right, we could really explore these characters and that's just wonderful. Now speaking of that, we have a scene for you up next. In this scene, we have Diego Luna, who plays Cassian, He's talking to Stellan Skarsgård, who plays Luthen. And just, you know Skarsgård. He's been in just epic movies from Goodwill Hunting, Amistad, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Dune, just to name a few. This guy's a beast. Well, his whole family is talented. But in this scene, he's trying to convince Cassian to join him, to work with him, because he knows what he's done, because he got this one device, and he's just trying to say, I know what you've done, I know what you're capable of, let's work together. And of course, Cassian's like, whoa, 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 I, I don't know. but. This is a scene just with these two great actors. Check it out. So which is it? I know Big Sass are game. I know you bribe quartermasters to leave valuables on the ships before they come in for scrap, but this isn't that. This isn't something that let pass. No. I went in and got this myself. How? How's that possible? It was it was sealed on the Imperial Naval Base in Steergard. Look. You got the money, I got the box. What else is there to talk about? I'll give you another thousand credits to tell me how you got it. <laughs> another thousand. Done. 
How? You just walk in like you belong? Takes more than that, doesn't it? What? To steal from the Empire? What do you need? A uniform, some dirty hands, and an Imperial toolkit? <laughs> They're so proud of themselves. They don't even care. They're so fat and satisfied. They can't imagine it. Can't imagine what? That someone like me would ever get inside their house, walk their floors, spit in their food, take their gear. Now we're going to hear more from the red carpet. And we're going to hear people talk about more about the story and just being part of this film and what it has to offer from what it leads up to, where it's going. And so we're going to hear from producer Kate Hazel, producer San Wallenberg, Ben Bailey-Smith, who plays ISB supervisor Bart, and then we're going to hear from the composer, Nicholas Breitel, and then Kyle Soler and Genevieve O'Reilly. And I just I just love what they all have to say. So it takes place in the sort of events leading up to the film Rogue One, and um, it's effectively the story of how Cassian Andor becomes the character he is in Rogue One. By the end of this series, that's where, that's where we'll get to. So, yeah. God, there's so much to discover. It's such a complex story, and and um, it's a huge ensemble cast. And I cannot wait for them to get a glance of, you know, what Cassian Andor's journey into Rogue One, how it began, and where, you know, and how it is developing. I can't wait. And a lot of people who say Rogue One was like a sort of almost like a wartime thriller, like a wartime action movie. So I think it again, it fits it fits in with that too. You know, like that feeling of like mystery, intrigue, adventure, all the things you want from Star Wars, but with that, that dark edge, which I think is what made Rogue One stand alone. It's, it's perfect in that respect. It sets up so many different things, and the show itself is so epic. I would say that's sort of my feeling on it. Uh, so many different things, uh, so many different elements. Musically for me, there were so many different things I had to explore. Um, and everybody gave me a lot of freedom, which was really wonderful. You know, from Tony, Tony Gilroy, Kathy Kennedy, everyone was fully supportive the whole way. So there's a lot of new themes. You know, I really, uh, I'm very, I'm very enamored of a lot of the stuff that we did. And, and Tony, Tony and I worked every single week for literally years on this. So Tony lives about 11 blocks from me in New York City. So we were, we, we spent a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, it's really... A lot of hands-on work, you know. Um, every episode has its own musical feeling, you know. There's a lot of, as we proceed, it's con- things are constantly evolving. Um, so there's, yeah, the scope is, is pretty massive, I would say. That's my best way of describing it, I think, yeah. Well, I think Andor has capitalized completely on what Rogue One promised, which is a really adult, human, grittier, rawer exploration of the Star Wars universe, but about real human people making real sacrifices. Their locations, the cinematography, the design, our costume design, our set design, it is really cinematic in ambition, and I think people who watch it will really appreciate that. Now, we're going to have another clip for you. Now, in this scene, we have Cassian. He's walking down the road, and he's approached by a guy who, who he owes money to. And he's trying to tell him, hey, I want my money now, you know, before I forget or whatever. <laughs> but then also behind him, Cassian, 
Olsen is this, this really tall, I don't know, creature, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know what it is, but he's just kind of there for, you know, being a thug. And he keeps turning around talking to him going, what, you work with this guy? When do you start working with these people? And, you know, the the guy in the street is like, oh, no, no, you're, you're talking to me. Let's just talk about the money. So it's just kind of a fun scene about a little levity in the in the show where every he owes everybody money. And he, he's, he doesn't have time for this. So here it is. Hey, <laughs> it's What's a hurry. Got some place to be? Yeah. Well, not happy to see me. Well, no love for Nachi. <laughs> no, I'm late, okay? Oh, I know. I want my deposit back. I wish I could, but it's in play. Just waiting to hear they're on site, okay? Fetch? Seriously? I'm not one of these losers gonna let you float until they forget how much you owe them. You're here with him. To what? To threaten me? Fetch, you let him talk you into this? The subject is money. I just ask you a question. Work. Since when do you take orders from Nurchin? Don't answer that. You need work this bad. Leave him out of it. It's really kind of a fun scene. And that's what makes this show kind of fun. There is some good humor, but there's also some great action and some good drama. It pretty much has it all. Now, we're going to have more from the red carpet. And we're going to hear people talk about just how excited they are to finally have the product done. And now we can see it. So in the order, this, this is the order that they're going to appear in. Genevieve O'Reilly, Kylie Soler, Ben Bailey Smith. And he has a really cool story about when he was a kid. On his phone, he has a picture of him going to Return of the Jedi and just how he, he he just loved it even back then and now he's part of it. Check it out. It's really kind of a fun story. And then we're going to hear from producer San Wallenberg, producer Kate Hazel, and writer Bo Williamson, and then Diego Luna, and finally, director Tony Haynes. These are just fun interviews. I'm just so excited that we finally get to share it with everyone. You know, we worked really hard on it and we've been talking about it so much and now it's finally here and everyone gets to see it. I'm so excited. To actually be here now with all of the fans who are so desperate to, to see it and showing so much love and appreciation, it's amazing. It's so exciting for me. I, I, I actually have a photo it's a shame I haven't got my phone on me. I've got a photo on my phone from 1983 of me dressed as Darth Vader after seeing uh, Return of the Jedi. It's the first movie I ever saw. I have felt an affinity with the dark side from that age, you know, from the age of six. I'm still going. So uh, it's an unbelievably special moment for me. It feels like my life's come full circle, you know. Oh my God, it is so exciting to finally share it, you know, with, you know, at least part of the world today and then the wider world next week. It's been a long time coming and we are really excited and very proud to finally share what we have worked on for the last, oh God, two and a half years and more. <laughs> well, it is particularly exciting because we started it before COVID and it was just such a long journey, huge shutdown. And it, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just been a process and it was full of amazing creative collaborations and amazing people. Yeah, and it is just wonderful to finally get here. And I'm so looking forward to seeing it on a big screen and seeing all, everyone's hard work up there. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait. Uh, it's pretty thrilling to have uh, the galaxy far, far away come here and be so near to all of us uh, here in Hollywood, California. Um, I'm really excited to see the premiere tonight. 
It's it's so exciting. I mean, I dreamed about this day for so long, you know. We've worked so hard to get here and uh, it's lovely. I mean, we shot this uh, in very rough times for everyone uh, and uh, being here with you, having the chance to enjoy the show in the cinema with people, it's just uh, uh, amazing. Uh, it couldn't be better. I'm excited also. There's a lot of Spanish-speaking people around here, uh, which I love. Uh, it's nice to be doing it in LA. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's utterly surreal. I, I watched Star Wars when I was six years old. And as soon as I knew that somebody had made Star Wars, I knew that I wanted to be that person. And I've been like trying to be a filmmaker ever since then, like, and like leading up. And I didn't know it would be leading up to this moment where I'd be actually standing on Hollywood Boulevard on a red carpet, about to watch three of my episodes. I don't know about you guys, but I love hearing that kind of enthusiasm when a director just talks about the passion behind it and that he watched it when he was a kid and going, here I am on the boulevard about to watch three of my episodes. Imagine how that must feel. Almost a surreal moment. I can't even imagine because we all remember seeing Star Wars and then knowing I am part of that universe. So just hearing him, you know, so excited is just great to hear. But up next, this is a long interview with Fiona Shaw. And she plays kind of like the stepmother to Cassian. And it's, there's, she says so much in here and I thought it was so relevant, but it's, you know, it's a few minutes long and she covers a lot of subjects. And I know how you guys are sometimes. You just want to hear them talk. So I'm not going to sit here and interrupt her every time she brings up a new topic. I'm just going to let this roll because she has so much to say and it's just, it's just wonderful to hear it. So I'm just going to let it roll. Fiona Shaw talking about all of this stuff. I think probably. Um, what really attracted me was Mr. Gilroy uh, ringing me up and saying, would I be part of it? He was writing it, he was directing it, he was sure running it, and I was just delighted by his enthusiasm, his um, excitement about the project. I mean, we're all so aware of Star Wars. I was very happy to join the universe anyway, but it was very exciting being asked to take part. Well, Marva is Cassian's mother, but she wasn't always his mother. She finds him when he was a child and she takes him home and becomes his mother and looks after him for all those years. And this is both a great thing and a bad thing in that she loves him like a mother, but he's always got this hankering for uh, his sister who he wants to find in Canary or who may have left Canary at the same time. So he is a sort of happy but reluctant son, I think, but he loves her too. And she's the only mother he really knows. So it's, that's really who she is. She's his mother and a very important person in um, Ferrix because she is part of the daughters of Ferrix. She looks after Ferrix. She looks after the community. She's very pro-community. She's a very kind person. And I think probably a person who instills very good values into Cassian. I'd worked with Adria in a, a strange series about witches some years back. So it was lovely to see her again, but I have nothing to do with her in the series, sadly. I mean, she's just around. She's part of my community, but not part of my scenes. And uh, no, it was my first time working with Diego, which was just beautiful. And uh, I'm very glad to have done that. And um, I know some of them, of course, um, uh, the Irish girls, I know, because we all know each other vaguely from being up from Ireland. So that's been very nice, but we haven't worked together. My scenes were quite contained, you know. I really mainly worked with Cassian. 
did I enjoy working with the droid? I so enjoyed it that I would like to have a droid. And I hope I will have a droid if I can live long enough, because um, the great thing about B2 is that, you know, Ian Spack um, has got a personality, definitely has got to understand its master in that it now um, knows, you know, what you can and can't tell Marva. It has a sort of moral compass. It's not keen on lying, which is very good that the droid is meant to be loyal, like a dog is to its owner. Um, and it's now getting very old. So the droid's getting old, like Marva's getting very old. And so the old droid and old Marva live together. So in, in theory, it, it's a happy little relationship. <laughs> I think what, I mean, I was so impressed initially, but I was impressed what, what what impressed me most about the whole thing was, of course, the costumes, which were, when I walked in for my costume fitting, they had different costumes with different aesthetics for different planets. And that you begin to, you know, and these are hundreds of costumes in certain shades that have different references to different parts of Africa or Asia or other historic events other uniforms, and then you go to the Ferrix world, which is responding to a metallic world, and you think, gosh, this is just the costumes. And then you get into the costumes, which are indeed industrialized in, in, in that Ferrix is an industrial place, and then walk onto the set, which is built from, it seems, some sort of adobe, adobe mud, but meets this old, reused, recycled lumps of spaceships and you think god whoever invented this is a genius because it has um, an aesthetic you have recognized and absolutely have never seen before and the detail of this on the sets makes you just want to lick every corner and see you know how did they turn that screw into a little tap or uh, it's ingenious well you know that was your you know great detail on a set makes you feel that you must bring what you can bring if they have given such detail then you just need committed performances because the only thing an actor can bring to a period set and this is a sort of future period set is the honesty of now and the complexity of now because if you bring that it matches the detail that is believable what you're trying to do is sell the impossible to an audience who say prove it that we should believe you. Why should we believe you? And you say, because look at that set and look at these performances. I think I liked best the whole experience of being able to play somebody who is old and near death, whose life should be over, but who as the series develops, you begin to realize had a completely different earlier life with a swashbuckling pirate who went around the universe collecting lumps of metal and turning them into spaceships who could mend spaceships, somebody very unlike me. And um, I really enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed that this character is not somehow shelved as being part of the background of Cassian's life, but rather is implicitly necessary and an ignition key to the entire rebellion that then occurs. I hope that the viewers experience themselves and can imagine themselves in those situations so that, you know, if they can identify with the characters, the characters are there for them to identify with. They're as complex as the people watching it. They are not in any way black and white or good or bad. They are um, characters full of the depth, problems and difficulties of living in a world that is changing under their feet, as is ours. See what I'm saying? Great interview. 
and I just let it roll because she had so much to say and it just deserved to be heard straight from her. Now you might be asking yourself, where do I know her from? I've seen her. She sounds familiar. She was in the Harry Potter films where she played Aunt Petunia. She was in an episode of Fleabag, Baptisti from 2021, and from 2011, a magical, perfect, awesome film. If you've never seen The Tree of Life, you have to see that. It is like watching a beautiful painting. Malik, just, he, sometimes it's not even a linear story, but The Tree of Life, if you ever have a chance, check that one out. And also, she was in the 2020 film Enola Holmes, and the sequel's coming out soon. And the incredible TV show, Killing Eve. I've mentioned it before, but if you ever have a chance to watch that TV show, Killing Eve, it is just amazing. You know, it's not for the kids necessarily, no. But the movie, it's the, the TV show, brilliant. Do yourself a favor, check that one out. That's Killing Eve. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Andor. And personally, I'm enjoying this very much. It's It steps away from your typical Star Wars type movie, it's it's a little darker, but that's what makes this so wonderful. It's following in the footsteps of what movie follows next with it, Rogue One. Because that was like a war movie. And it was just so gritty, real, and raw. It wasn't so well-painted and pretty like some other Star Wars movies can be. Not that they're not all awesome, but Rogue One was... it. it, it came. I think it surprised the studio, like they say earlier in these interviews... I don't think they knew it was going to do that good, but it was that good. And this is in that vein. It's gritty, it's raw, and there's something at the first episode that completely sets it apart. You realize, okay, this is not your typical Star Wars Disney Plus type show because there's something that happens and you're like, what? That would never happen in the normal, air. I'm doing some air quotes here, people, in a normal Star Wars film or show. I'm like, Wow. They really took a big step there to say, this is what we're about. Now sit down and just watch it because this is not your, doesn't follow the same cookie cutter stuff. And I'm not going to change, you know, you know, ruin it for you, but you'll see what I mean. If you haven't watched this yet, there's a scene in the first episode of Andor where you're like, oh, okay, game on. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, please let me know cinemajudge at hotmail.com because I can't grow if I don't know. But if you also want to watch a TV version of this, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage or just go to the simpler link bit, like bit, dot ly backward slash cinemajudge. That's bit dot ly backward slash cinemajudge and a lot of shows there are on demand. And you can watch it anytime you want. And there's several other episodes there too. But now it's shout out time. For all you around the world, I hope my voice finds you well. For every one of you who listen at work, listen at home, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, or just sitting around doing nothing, I am so grateful. And thank you so much for sharing the show. You guys are so loyal, and I appreciate that. Especially this week, I had several listens from locations. Maybe you shared it with your friends, or maybe listened to the episode twice. Man, thank every one of you who take time out of your life, whether it's the next day after this drops, two weeks, two months, or two years from now. Because wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. And like I said, so many of you listened to the show twice or shared it with your friends. So most of these are to you 
who I incredible. I am so honored from the United States, Canada, a whole bunch of you from Canada. So thank you guys so much for listening to the last episode. Same thing goes with Germany, Denmark, Israel, United Kingdom, and Ireland. All you guys who share this show, take time to listen to it, blows my mind. Because here I am sitting in the basement and, and here you are somewhere, wherever you are, whenever you are listening right now. And I just, I really hope you enjoyed the show. And it's just, it's so cool to think about that. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. In Ireland, Cambodia, Norway, Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, Toronto, Ontario, Copenhagen, Capital Region, Vancouver, British Columbia, Orlando, Florida, not, is it Nassau, New Hampshire, Superior, Wisconsin, Frankfurt AM, Maine, Hess, Los Angeles, California, is it Rinst, Rinstein, Lower Saxony, thank you, New York, New York, and Trend, oh boy, what's this one? Oh, I have no one, it's T-R-O-N-D-E-L-A-G, thank you so much for taking time out of your life, San Jose, California, Montreal, Quebec, Brooklyn, New York, Richmond Hill, Ontario, New Jersey, New Work, Detroit, Michigan, Alexandria, Virginia, Pasadena, California, Littleton, Colorado, West Des Moines, Iowa, Brunswick, Georgia, Tel Aviv. Thank you so much. Farmington, Minnesota. Is it, I, I, you know, I should look this one up. Is it Hollyoke, Massachusetts or Holyoke? Or maybe I, it's none of them because I know things out there are really weird to pronounce. But thank you so much, Mass. In Virginia, and I'm going to not get this one right at all, Tapa Anak or something like that. Thank you so very much. Wurttemberg. I don't know how to pronounce that one, but thank you so much. Quebec. It's P-U-V-I-R-N-I-T-U-Q. Quebec. London, England. Thank you. Dublin. Cologne, North Rhine, West Palia. P-H-N-O-M. Space. P-E-N-H. Every solitary one of you who took time out of your life to listen to this show and share it with family or friends or like it or follow it, it means the world to me. Thank you a million. Now, this week's bourbon shout-out goes out to Sammy. You're one fine lady. I enjoy talking to you. You're a blast. So to you, Sammy, Super Sammy, cheers. Now, most of you know this is a TV show first, and then I turn it into a podcast. And I'm always cranking tunes when I'm making these shows, because when I'm doing the TV version, you know, I don't have to worry about audio or anything. I could just get my slip into my sweet little editing area and just make a show. And I just, that's my happy place. But while I'm doing that, I'm cranking tunes. And this week, I was in a, a Rolling Stone state of mind. Because the week before, when I was doing the last episode, I was listening to a lot of Kiss. And while I was listening to Kiss from like their first album, and I just went through their whole, almost their whole, you know, stuff, I remembered... I hadn't heard in a long time their version of the Rolling Stones song of 2000 Man. And they do a great job. But then I'm like, I really want to hear that one again by the Rolling Stones. And on my little listening device, I have my own little playlist. You know how most of us do that. But, you know, I, I listen to a lot of their albums, but I put on my playlist and that was one of them on there. And it just, they have so many hits. If You, you know, we all know their hits. But some of their deeper tracks are just brilliant. Either they're 
incredibly bluesy, bluesy rock, or even even sometimes they, they slip into country a little bit, or even some disco, but they always just own it and they have fun. And go digging a little bit, dig into their catalog, because there are some gems that you just, you, oh, they're just wonderful. And so every once in a while, I get a massive head trip going. I'm like, all right, it's Stones time. And that's what I did when I was making this episode that is cranked on the stones and I, you can't go wrong. All right, guys, now it's guilty pleasure time. This is what we all do. Well, maybe you don't, but a lot of times I'll just throw on a movie just because, you know, you want something in the background or just because why not? My guilty pleasure this week was when we first met is from 2018 and it stars Adam Devine. And in a nutshell, that's what it is. This guy using a magical photo booth that sends him back in time and he relives the night he met Avery over and over trying to persuade her to fall in love with him. Again, this is one of those fun time travel, living the same day over and over again. I mean, they're they're all fun. I, <laughs> I always get a kick out of them. And this was one of them. It just, he, he keeps going back, trying to get it right. And it, you know, how it, you know, there's ups and downs to all those adventures, but that's my guilty pleasure for this week. When we first met, it's currently on Netflix. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. <laughs>